Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This podcast is part of More Than Baseball organization. Uh, More Than Baseball is working daily to better the lives of minor leaguers all over baseball. Our mission is to protect and enhance the future of the baseball game by allowing every ball player to live their best life uh, during and after their careers. Um, actually, today's a big day for minor leaguers, and we'll jump into that in a second. But I'm super excited for my guest today, a top 30 prospect in the Marlins organization. He might be one of the best hitters in their whole system. A dude is absolutely putting up video game numbers. My guy, Troy Johnson. How's it going, brother? Good. How are you? I'm happy to be here and yeah. excited to talk about this huge, momentous day in minor league baseball. Yeah. So let's just start off with that. I mean, that kind of came out of nowhere. I saw, I think, this morning on when I was on Twitter or something, and uh, I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't planning on talking about that, but you know what? Let's talk about it right now. So the unionization unionization of the minor leaguers. Like, what do you what do you what are your thoughts on that? I think it's a it's a huge step for you know minor league baseball players. They they've been fighting for this and trying to do this for years, and it's been hard because we we've never had a voice. We've never had anybody to speak up for us. But with the with COVID coming in and the 2020 kind of boom of you know rights and um, activists that were coming out for minor league baseball players. It was a big step for us, especially on social media and having the word get out of all these injustices that were happening. Um, But realistically, this is just a a great stepping stone. And, you know, um, what it all stems from is pretty much all the fight that the MLPA has been fighting for years with um, the owners of major league baseball um, and kind of the higher ups in that. And so Mm -hmm. now having them, allowing us to join them in their fight and, and their um, way of making a better life for baseball players um, is just a huge step. And I'm just thankful to be a part of it. Yeah. Like, were, was this something you guys were kind of aware of prior to like last night or this morning, or was this kind of like out of nowhere for you guys too? So in, in my mind, I, I've been a part of quite a few meetings and I've been a uh, fair, a silent activist, we'll put it this way, in a way that I, I've been listening to on meetings. I talk to people. I try to talk to my friends, my teammates, all of this. I'll, I'll post on social media um, about it. Um, but for me, I knew this was the end goal. The end goal was to unionize so that we could have a, um, a little bit of a front and a little bit of leverage so that we can then throw our hat in the ring and say what we need and not what, not as much what we want, but what we need to then be successful in this game, in this life. Um, for the short amount of time that we do get to play it, because as everybody knows, baseball isn't forever. And so uh, the the minor league um, situation that we have um, is something to fight for and something to make better, because a lot of people do enjoy baseball. And, it, you know, as America's pastime, I think people should understand that, you know, the minor league lifestyle is hard. Um, but again, the end point was to be unionized so that we can fight for our rights and, and what we think is uh you know, realistic for us to then be the best that we can be. Yeah. 
For sure. And like this podcast, like uh it's kind of started that way. Like this is part of more than baseball. Like they're they've been leading the mm-hmm. fight along with like advocates for minor leaguers, um, adopt the minor leaguer. There's so many, not so many, but there's several key people and organizations that have been kind of fighting for the rights of minor leaguers. Obviously, the new housing rule uh, this season is a huge, huge help for you huge, guys. Yes. Um, how does that work for you? Because you're you're married. So like, what what kind of goes into that then as a married baseball player? So I have been very, very fortunate um, that the teams that I've been on, um, most of the lower level teams, they do have roommates inside of the apartments, inside of mm-hmm. the rooms, whatever it is, if they hotel, whatever. At the AA level in Pensacola, um, I, maybe it's because of, you know, who I am, that I'm, I am, I, I think of myself as a relatively nice person. And so I, I try to be nice to everybody that I can and expect the same from others. And so they were nice to me this year. And granted me my own room. They knew I had a wife. I think that was in kind of the Marlins rules saying that, you know, if you were married, you know, we're going to, we're going to help you out because we know traveling with family is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, I also do have a dog, which they've been very helpful with as well. Nice. Um, so little dog, very, very cute, easy to travel with. But then in the double A level, so I did live with two other roommates who shared a room um, and then another couple moved in. And so it was just two players in an apartment, which worked out great. And that was in Pensacola, really nice apartment. Um, and then we got a huge upgrade when we went to AAA. Um, it was a, everybody gets their own room. Everybody has these very nice king size beds, everything. It, it was just a, a, a much larger upgrade. And so it was very easy for us with the transition being married. Um, I believe at the lower levels, the low A, the high A, the FCL, the AZL, those kind of places, I don't think that's a luxury is traveling with your spouse or significant other mm-hmm. um, as it is in the higher levels. But then again, a lot of people in the higher levels do have those significant others. Yeah. So it makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, typically when you're in the higher levels, you're a little bit older um, than maybe some of the guys in like yeah. low way, high A, Ricky Bond, all that stuff. Um, I actually know a guy who uh, is in the Blue Jays organization and he's married, but his wife, like just the way everything works out, like his wife lives like, you know, where they grew up or whatever. And then she just visits him every once yeah. in a while, um, which to me, I, I I couldn't do that. Like, I don't <laughs> I said kudos to you, dude, because yeah, like, you got to have your spouse. You got to have your spouse right there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Especially like in the minor league. So your wife has just like been grinding through the system with you. Like, so sh- kudos to her for just, you know, <laughs> suffering through that minor league life with you, because the minor league life is not the easiest life at all. No, not at all. And uh, and, and she knows that it's it's, you know, pick up and leave whenever mm-hmm. we get a call. You know, we, every everything works on a call. Um, but she has been very, very supportive of me through everything that we do um, and packing and driving, whether it's, like I said, we drove from Washington to Florida and that was an adventure in itself. Mm-hmm. But um, she she loves this lifestyle more than not because she loves going to the games. Her favorite thing is a hot dog and a beer on a Friday night at the game. And so just having that and having my family around me is just such a blessing. But, um, you know, she's been, she's definitely a trooper, but she, the cool, th- cool part about it is she actually owns her own business. And so she can travel around with it and still, you know, do what she wants to do and, um, you know, have a enjoyable life still with the, the you know, the minor league lifestyle. Yeah. What kind of business does she uh, own? I mean, give it, give it a free plug. So <laughs> give it a free plug. So our business is called styled and social. Um, you can find us at styledandsocial.com. It's a women's clothing boutique, um, and it's very up-to-date. It's very new. Um, we just started about a year ago. We just celebrated our year anniversary on it, um, and so it's actually really cool. Um, what we do is we um, outsource the clothes. We will uh, put them up. She models them. I, I take all the pictures. Um, I do all the finances. She does the you know website design, and we do all that together, and so it's it's actually a really fun thing that we do. 
Um, but at, in, you know, at Styled and Social, you know, we do have mostly women's clothing stuff, but actually most of the baseball players, we had this hat line that we went through and they were smiley face hat, hats. And it just, we didn't, we didn't sell too many to other people, but once I got into the locker room and I started wearing a couple, all of a sudden all these baseball players would show up and, Hey, can I get one of those? Can I get one of those? So they were some of our best customers there. Yeah. And, I, and kudos to you guys. Cause I mean, obviously owning a business, especially in the, like the last year or two, uh, with COVID and all that stuff hasn't probably probably isn't the easiest you know time to start a business or they even own a business but uh you know kudos to you guys for for making that work so you're you're the photographer then like you're just out there you know getting all the lighting set perfect and just taking all the pictures yeah i am i did i, I like i like to expand outside of my mm-hmm. you know baseball realm i like to do something different make myself a little more well-rounded and so i i've actually you know, half of half of being a photographer is having a good camera. So we spent quite a bit of money on ca- on a camera. But Florida has some great lighting and some great, you know, outdoor picture settings. So pretty much it does it does what it needs to by itself. But you know, the model the model does great and you know the camera does great. So yeah, yeah I like it. It's fun. So tell me this then, have you ever thought about maybe branching into like your own side of the business where it's like, you know, I'm gonna start doing maybe like clothing for men because you said most of your stuff is kind of women based that your wife does have you ever thought about branching off and doing like maybe like a sports theme apparel or um whatever maybe no i i I have definitely thought about that um for me i I just haven't been as invested in the actual product that's more her line i I don't the product the product is everything but she's more in control of the product than not for me uh, i went to school for business and i've always been obsessed with running business how it runs how can you make it more efficient how can we do things right how can we do it better um and so for me the the background of everything and the background of the business is really what i'm interested in the the actual you know selling the product going out and marketing it like that kind of stuff i don't i don't really it it kind of is it it kind of is what it is it doesn't really do it for me but the background side of like where all the money goes how can we allocate it um what can we do better how can we make things more efficient what trends do i see and what sells that kind of stuff. That's more interesting to me. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, like I said, kudos to both of you for for doing that, uh, especially nowadays. Um, but let's talk about this. So I had um, Luke Berryhill from the Astros organization. He's a top thirty pick, a top thirty prospect with them. Um, and I asked him, like, you know, hey, do you look at the rankings where you are, you know, in the top thirty of your organization? He's like, yeah, yeah, I do. And he has a couple of friends who are on there as well. They'll make fun of each other if they move up or down. Um, so how did you find out that you were, you know, one of the top 30 prospects for the Marlins? Cause obviously that's a, you know, it's a big deal. I, I actually didn't know that until I want to say I wasn't put on that until the beginning of the 2022 season, maybe the end of 2021, something mm-hmm. like that. But I, I got a text from one of my buddies and he's like, and I said something snarky or mm-hmm. something like that. And he says, Oh, big prospect guy. I'm like, I'm not a prospect. And 17th round around yeah. is what it is. And then he's like, and then he sends me a picture of it. I'm like, Oh, Oh, that's that's kind of cool. That's yeah, something that I didn't think was going to happen when I first got drafted. But you know, I I'm, I'm very happy with it. I've worked very hard for it, and you know, I'm just trying to earn my spot and climb the ladder. Yeah, no, for sure, and that's all you can do. Um, like your did your parents tell you at all? Because I feel like that, like I don't know how your I'm sure your dad probably listens and watches everything you're on and stuff. Um, so shout out to your mom and dad, Mr. and Mrs. Johnson. But did they tell you like, hey, you know, you're a top prospect now, dude? No, they, they're so supportive with everything they do that they might look at it, but it's not something they'll, they'll usually send me tweets or do something like that. My dad, my dad's all in this stuff. He'll probably be the first one listening to this podcast when it comes out, but, um, he, 
he'll send me stuff every once in a while, but he, I don't, we didn't really know about it. I think I had to tell him that one. And cause you know, it's sometimes it's um, pretty publicized. Sometimes it's not, yeah. but other people look at it more than I do. That's fair. That's fair. And like I said, like shout out to your dad. Cause I know he's going to listen to this. And speaking of your dad, um, I heard he was a wrestler and kind of got you into wrestling when you were in high school. Yeah. So our, our family, our family has been a wrestling fighting family ever since I was a kid. Um, so we've always kind of, you know, wrestled around the house. My mom hated it. Um, shout out to Mrs. Johnston, but, uh, she, we, a lot of broken lamps and a lot of broken picture frames and all this stuff from three boys rolling around trying to do, you know, wrestle and whatnot. But, um, yeah, my dad just retired as being a wrestling coach at Rogers high school in Kuala. Um, he was doing that for about, I want to say he's been a wrestling coach for about 25 years. I want to say that's what it was. Yeah. I want to say it was right around when I was born, he started being a wrestling coach. Um, and sadly my brother was a much better wrestler than me. Um, but I, I, I held my own and he, but, uh, I, I did have fun and wrestling's always been in my blood and I really enjoyed it. I, in high school, I did get hurt a little during football, so I never was able to kind of complete my wrestling saga, if you want to put it that mm-hmm. way. But, uh, my sophomore year of high school and my freshman year, I was, yeah, I was a pretty good wrestler for a buck seventy. Nice. And you, so you mentioned football, like you just casually threw that in there. Like, yeah, I did wrestling. I did football. I was a baseball guy. Like, were you one of those kids who were just good at every sport they ever played? Like, cause I hated those kids. <laughs> you would hate me then. I, I, so I still, to this day, I can, I, I was never very, I, I will, I was never very good at football. I was, I was, I could play mm-hmm. and I could hold my own. And I, I was on varsity from all every, I think all three years I was in high school and my high school we went from sophomore to senior. Yeah. So all three years I was on varsity, but still to this day, I can pick up a golf club and, you know, shoot a 78, 77, something like this. But if you give me a basketball, there is no chance I will put it in the hoop. That is the one sport that I just, you know, as wrestling, wrestling and basketball were always the same season. So my dad, we never really, but we never really played basketball. Mm-hmm. That was the one sport that I never could uh, do, but everything else, I think I, I think I'd hold my own. So maybe that was just there just to kind of humble you a little bit. Cause you know, we don't want you to get too big of a head when you're good at every sport. <laughs> you, you, just, get... <laughs> you golf, you probably, you're probably good at bowling. I, I can imagine. I can bowl a little bit. Yeah. I can bowl a little bit. <laughs> like I said, just one of those guys who are good at everything. So let's, let's get this narrative started. Then if you were in a benches clearing brawl, uh, people should probably stay away from you because you might be able to, you know, hold your own as a as a wrestler. You know, people don't want to mess with that. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you, wrestling is much different than fighting. I'll put it that way. Okay. Wrestling, wrestling, you're trying to you're trying to put guys in different holds, get them on their back, and fighting, it's you know, you're trying to punch people in the face. But um, for me, and I, I'm not much of a, I won't go out of my way to fight anybody. So in a bench clearing brawl, I'm probably the guy, the hype man in the back. There you go, trying to hype people up. Go get them, yeah, pushing guys in the mm-hmm. way. Go get them. And then I'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I was in the back. I was in that fight. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's always that guy. We need people need that guy to kind of hype you up a little bit. That's probably what I would do, because I did karate, but I did like three weeks and I was a I was a white belt. So like that was my karate career. Oh, there you go. And uh, I actually broke a black belt's nose, though. Like that's kind of like my claim to fame. Like uh, there is the uh, the instructor and she's she uh, for some reason wanted me to practice sparring with her. And I uh, was like knife defense or something. And I hit it the wrong way ran up broke her nose um yeah it was just a i was like you know what this isn't for me like i get i can't come back here anymore after i broke someone's nose like i just had to hang up <laughs> i hang I had to hang it up you know three especially, weeks strong especially the instructor my goodness yeah yeah and the, she was one she was the owner of the of the of the, oh. of the place so it, was, it got worse you know like 
It was bad. So, are you sure you quit or did you get kicked out? Because I'm thinking well, that well, you might have been like, like I said, we're, I don't know. It's all about narrative. So the narrative is <laughs> is, is that I quit. Uh, but they were probably happy, happy to see me go. But like, this is now the official Troy Johnson podcast. So like, you're in a fight. Like, I got your back, brother. Like, I mean, I can use my three weeks oh, of training, I love it. and you use your <laughs> your wrestling skills. Like, we could we could take anyone on. We could take anyone. I mean, I'll I'll put them on the ground and you roundhouse them. That's, that's, it. that's all we need. It's a, it's a one two punch. That's exactly right. I will break some noses out there. Um, but let's talk about this. You were kind of nasty in high school. I'm looking at your numbers. Of course, like you were a football star. You know, you did everything. But eight four four eighty two as a freshman, five, five batting five hundred as a sophomore, four eighty five as a junior. Were you just body bagging high school pitchers? They they were not. There was about one team in the league, two teams that were really really good. But the the gap the gaps at the field that I played with were big. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was a nice field. It was a good college field. Um, in high school that, you know, our local community colleges will play there. So it had to be certain dimensions, but that, yeah, it was it. I, I just, the pitching was easy. The, it was just kind of high school baseball. It wasn't, it wasn't very tough for me. And then I got to college and I'm like, Oh, it's a little tough. That's a little yeah. tough for here. Everybody's good. So when did Every you commit? You go up. What year did you commit to I, college? So after my freshman year, I had a pretty good game against our rival Puyallup high school. And so I got immediately after that, I got an offer from the university of Washington my freshman year. And then I got a uh, offer from Gonzaga later that year. And I was like, okay, I'm a freshman. <laughs> I, I don't even know that I wanted to go to college at mm-hmm. this point. I know I wanted to play baseball. I didn't know that I wanted to do all this stuff. My, my parents are teachers. So they were like, no, you're going to college. I'm yeah. like, okay. <laughs> but um, I went and I traveled around to different schools. I, I, I put like a list of what I thought, you know, would be dream schools, what I thought mm-hmm. all this stuff. Um, so I went to Oregon State. I went to University of Oregon. Never made it down to UCLA. UCLA was one of my dream schools. If I wasn't going to play baseball, I still was like, oh, I might go there. But um, went to Gonzaga and immediately felt like home. Mm-hmm. Ended up having them wait a year, and I uh, committed after my sophomore high school season. Wow. So, so you like, go like into there. your sophomore season as, like, pre-committed. Like, how I would have been the cockiest guy out there if I was, you know, 14, 15, already committed to a, uh, you know, a good school, a good program. Like, and then you put up these numbers like, whoa. I mean, I mean for me, I, it's never it was never really about that. I was yeah. more of the fact that I wanted to be better than everybody in my area. I had I, you know, I, it was cool that I committed to a school, but mm-hmm. everybody that I, I knew I trained with, they were all going, you know, they were going to Division One schools. They were going to bigger bigger schools they were going to different places and i was like well I, I, if i'm better than you then yeah that's that there's nothing to i mean there's no comparison at that point so I, all it was was just trying to win games yeah do my best and have fun be a kid no for sure absolutely and was there anybody maybe in your conference or your school who was like maybe that guy like in your area like maybe if you played um travel ball yeah. or whatnot like was there anybody who's maybe committed or went to get pro go pro oh there's there's quite a few guys so my freshman year i played with um, Logan Ice, if you remember that, from he went to Oregon State as a catcher, um, mm-hmm. played at Oregon State, and then his junior year he got drafted by the Cleveland Indians um, in 2017. I want to say he made it to Double A, played for a little bit, um, but was a highly touted catcher, switch hitting catcher um, out of Rogers High School. And then another guy who went to Oregon State was Luke Heimlich. Um, he actually went to my high school and then transferred over to the rival high school Puyallup, and. I, you know, had something, he had to sit out a year and play JV or something like that. And did something dumb, like six and oh, with six perfect games. And I'm not, I'm not kidding. I, th- I legit think it was six perfect games. Wow. I don't think he was like, 
94 from the left side at this low Jeez. like three quarter slot with four pitches. Yeah. And then he ended up leaving high school early and going to Oregon State. So he for he was like this homeschool a homeschool kid. Okay. So he won a state championship with Puyallup High School and then or went his senior year and just went to Oregon State early. Wow. And so those were those are some of the guys. And the other guy that I train with right now is Levi Jordan. He's in the Cubs organization right now in AAA, I believe. Um, so those, I mean, I we had dudes all over the place playing. I mean, it was just a it's just a good baseball area. That's awesome. And like I'm from California, so like obviously California just breeds talent everywhere. But now I live in Wisconsin, yep. and like we have a couple like decent prospects here and there, but it's nothing like the Texas, the Californias, the Florida schools where they're just it's Correct. sunny like year Correct. round where you can just like train all the time. But yes. that's just the way it is. But yeah. good for you. So well, well and the big oh, and the big thing, the big thing in Washington, I'll I'll mention one other guy, Corbin Carroll another Seattle guy mm-hmm. um, who's making his debut at 21 or something like that nice. coming up here today or something for who, but, who does he um, play with the Diamondbacks okay oh I read about that yep yeah the center yep center fielder but the thing about Washington that you know in California you play all year round all this stuff there's in Puyallup specifically there are four to five baseball facilities just indoor facilities cages full infields everything like that I usually work at them in the off season um, and so that's how you know, baseball thrives up in the mm-hmm. Northwest is because we don't have to practice outside. Everything's inside. Nice. Yeah. And like you said, you, you're, that's obviously a good group of people from your general area and from that state who are kind of making their way and going pro as well. Um, so how were the visits? And cause you mentioned you went to different, like different visits and all that. Like, um, did you commit like to Gonzaga after your, or is it Gonzaga or Gonzaga? I don't want to butcher it. Gonzaga. You Gen- did it right. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, like, did you, you committed to Gonzaga, like officially after your sophomore season? Like, how, how were the school visits? Cause obviously like you mentioned a couple sweet schools. Yeah. Um, so the school visits were great. Um, well, it was just, it all went down to more of like what I wanted playing time, mm-hmm. um, how the schools were. Cause most of the schools that I went to, um, university of Washington, Washington state, like all those Northwest schools, Oregon, Oregon state, they had really, really big freshman recruiting classes gotcha. like like they are 15 16 17 guys for maybe five spots so i went to gonzaga and they were like oh we have five usually we have five pitchers and five position players that we recruit and we're very very specific with who we recruit and i'm like okay that fits my mold that fits what i want and for me spokane it's actually funny my grandparents um live probably five blocks away from campus at gonzaga nice. so they're pretty much on campus um, and so for me, Gonzaga just felt like home. And so I, I, I knew, I knew I wanted to go there when I first visited mm-hmm. and played there and did everything. I knew it felt like home. Uh, but I just wanted to check the other schools just in case, just yeah. in case something stood out. But in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, Gonzaga's probably it. That's, that's where I want to go. The overall experience, like, did they have a good, do you have a good team? Like how was, I mean, obviously basketball, we, we think of Gonzaga, but, uh, and they, I think they went to the, fi- the finals, yeah. your, your, uh, freshman year. They did. Yeah, my freshman year. We were actually on a plane. I think we were leaving uh, Loyola Marymount, and we were watching the game on the plane, and, uh, you know, everybody's going crazy, mm-hmm. and they're burning couches in the street, doing all the college things and whatnot. Um, but the experience there was fantastic. Um, you know, like like I said, as you know, being an outfielder at Gonzaga, it was a little bit cold um, standing out there in the, you know, the snow from, you know, November to mm-hmm. March. And so you're practicing in the snow most of the time. Again, another indoor place. But um, – other than that, I mean, the, the experience was incredible. The education was great. Um, everything about it, the, the lifestyle, the area, it, it just felt like home. You had a little bit, it, it wasn't downtown Spokane, so you did have the downtown atmosphere. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but you did have this little bubble that, you know, Gonzaga was sitting on. How far is that from Seattle? Because I've been to Seattle and I've been, I think I've been to Spokane once. Yeah, it, it's about four hours. Okay. If you take, take I-90, which I know you guys have in Wisconsin, yep. I think it's I-94, I-93. If you take that right across um, I-90 all the way to the coast, you'll go right from Seattle to Spokane. And it's about, maybe even Seattle to Spokane might be three and a half hours something like that but it's very it's very it's very doable drive yeah but you grow closer to seattle right yeah in tacoma Tacoma. okay that's where i've been i've been to tacoma i haven't been i haven't been spoken yep yeah tacoma tacoma is like the we're in the suburb of puyallup and so tacoma is like you know a good area it's just a little bit farther away from seattle about 45 minutes north 40 minutes north or south sorry no it's all good so when i think of seattle and this is my california brain because uh just being (laughs) a little bit southern than you guys i think of like flip-flops kind of hippie like, like how Seattle are you? I'm not as Seattle as you think. I'm more <laughs> country, country Western. Okay. The, the more South you go in between kind of, you know, Seattle and Portland, mm-hmm. it's just all agriculture there. It's, it's very Southern. You get to Yelm, Olympia area. It's just a very Western kind of state of mind. And then you go over to Spokane and you think of Boise, you think of Montana. That's all kind of grouped together there. So that, that kind of, you know, Northern cowboy kind of thought that's more closer to what i am i'm not you know Birkenstocks in my patagonia with my rain hat and umbrella okay. uh walking through the streets of seattle with my coffee i'm more like a you know have my boots on go to a country concert and you know have a couple tall boys and hang out by a fire there you go okay yeah so i've been to the original starbucks i didn't go in i just stood outside it because the line was like forever long yeah, and i was, I was like it's, say, it's a long- it tastes like <laughs> it tastes like Starbucks, you know, no matter where it's at. But exactly. just exactly. being, you know, able to see, you know, the original Starbucks. And I'm not even a big fan of like Starbucks coffee in general. I think there's so much better coffee out there. But I mean, I don't know if that's like, you know, I just offended you and half of, you know, your your family. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally no, I totally agree because, you know, Starbucks is everywhere. You can find it on yeah. every street corner. But the best places that I've seen is when you go to Washington, they're usually on the in, in the in gas station parking lots or like in the middle of nowhere in these just little like huts and you'll go in they're the best coffee you'll ever have yeah and you can find them again on every street corner but you, it's usually it's opposite of a starbucks or something people have to choose but you know there's there's little spots like that all over washington that just have much better coffee than starbucks yeah so we're so again so you're more of a cowboy guy so do you have like cowboy boots like how country are you oh i got i got cowboy but i'm more like a so i'm i think i fit the the pop star cowboy okay closer than the uh the grungy, yeah. you know, maybe Texas Amarillo cowboy. Gotcha. Okay. But yeah, I, I think I think you, I'd fit better downtown Dallas or downtown Austin than I would in you know yeah. the, the backwoods of you know maybe in Waco, Texas or something yeah. like that. I think hey, that's how country, I think that's more how country I am. So okay, so you broke the narrative that every every you know Seattle person is you know chilling out there with their coffee in their hand, very you know hippie. Maybe uh, I don't know because in California, like people think when I now that I'm here in Wisconsin, they automatically assume I'm a surfer. They you know they automatically I grew up with like puka shell, yes, of course, P- puka shell necklaces and uh, yep. Yeah, so that's you know I gotta oh, yeah. gotta break the mold. A and you're little from bit. L.A. probably. Yeah, uh, I seen like movie yeah. stars everywhere, but I, I grew up in San Francisco. But whatever, yeah, you know, exactly. that's it doesn't matter to them. That's <laughs> as, I'm in California. Like automatically, I, yeah, exactly. I'm friends with like 30 yep. actors and actresses. Yep, exactly. Yep, and you're you're living in downtown L.A. and you know yeah. you have a one bedroom apartment that's four thousand dollars and you know exactly. But no, I think for me, I have a lot of friends that do fit the merit the narrative. Yeah. Of the seattle but like i said that's that's more northern you get like when you almost get to like 
anywhere from like Seattle to like Bellingham mm-hmm. up north on that side of the mountains is very, very, you know, I'll, dare I say depressed and coffee driven. Yeah. We'll put it that way. There you go. But That's when fine. you get, when you get to the Southern part, when you get to the Southern part of Washington and you go to the Eastern part of Washington, kind of that, that anywhere that South East part, it's a very agricultural, very, you know, it used to be farming towns and all those places um, or, or logging towns. And so it was very, just, it's very homey and very suburby. It's not really that, you know, it's not really that gloomy. I will put it that way because Washington in the, in the winter is very gloomy and people love it. They're like, oh, I love the rain. I love how it's dark all the time. I'm like, no, I need sun. I'm depressed. <laughs> I'm in the sun. I'm in the sun for six months out of the year. And then I go home and I'm like, I, I don't see the sun for four months. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's a little give, give and take kind of thing. But um, yeah, people people love it. And let me let me say there are a lot of people I would say. I would say about 60 percent of the people fit the narrative. Nice. And then you got the outliers, the other 40. Yeah. I'm one of the outliers, I would say. There you go. Yeah, like I said, you got to break the mold. No big deal. Um, so let's talk about this. When <laughs> did you when did you realize, like, I asked this, like, all the time, like, when was your, like, if to when moment when you start stop asking or saying if I get drafted, but, you know, when I get drafted? And when you started, maybe scouts were looking at you a little bit more, maybe you're getting some questionnaires. Like, when was that moment when you're like, you know what, I might actually get drafted? So I remember getting a bunch of questionnaires after I got done with the um, – I got, I got a bunch of questionnaires done um, when I was in high school after I got done with the area code games. Um, and that was really cool because I was like, oh, maybe I got a shot out of high school. And then yeah. I was like, I don't really want to go play professional baseball yet. It's not for me yet. I'm not ready mentally. Um, physically, I might have been ready. But mentally, I was like, no, I'm not ready. I don't want to do that. Um, but for me, I kind of knew when I was – I kind of knew I had a weekend – at Gonzaga against against San Francisco, the Dons. Yeah, I had a weekend where I hit. I think the first night I was four for five. Jeez. The next night I was three for four, and then the um, that Sunday I want to say I was one for four, but I had four home runs and two doubles, and all of a sudden my phone just started blowing yeah. up after that, and I was like, okay, I need to I need to pick a number. This is real. I need to do actual prep work for the draft yeah. and so for me i was like okay i've had i had a really good freshman year i was like okay cool sophomore year i got hurt um and then my junior year i was like okay i'm, I'm done with school I, i'd like to go start i'd like to take my chances and go pro if i have the opportunity and i was like okay this is real right about i want to say it was maybe a little bit after april and i was kind of like okay this is real i got to start prepping for this um and how were the questionnaires or like the interviews with with uh the different teams like what team was maybe the most interested in you or did you think that the Marlins were going to draft you? So I had a couple of questionnaires here and there um, because, of course, they have that um, website portal that they do all the questionnaires now. And you can do, you know, all the teams can send you their personal questionnaires and all this kind of stuff. It's really cool. It was a lot better than what I, what I did in high school when I'd get paper copies. Yeah. I have to write all of it down. It's much better. Um, but I, I did not know that the Miami Marlins were that interested. I thought the Dodgers were more interested and I thought the Kansas City Royals more, were more interested. Um, and actually the Milwaukee Brewers as well, oh, nice. uh, mostly because I played with his son. Um, it, it was Waylon was the, um, area director at the time or area scout at the time, but those three teams, and then I, I got drafted and I was sitting there on my couch. I didn't check my phone. I was really nervous. It was the third mm-hmm. day. I was like, okay, I know I'm going to get drafted this day. If I don't you know, it just kind of is what it is, but I, I knew I was going to get drafted that day. I just didn't know when. 
And I ended up getting a text from one of my buddies like, oh, okay, congrats. And I'm like, who did I get drafted by? Nobody called me. Nobody said anything. And the Miami Marlins drafted me. And then I, as I got off the phone with him, he, you know, some, Scott Fairbanks called me and was like, hey, we drafted you, all that kind of stuff. So, but wow. I, I think after, I, I really had no idea the Mar- Marlins were that interested in me at the time. Interesting. So you're like your um, agent, or, or I don't know if you had one at the time, but he wasn't like in communication with you, like, hey, like, this is the rumors, this is what we're hearing, yada, yada. No, he was, no, he was just trying to, I think he was just trying to do his best to, you know, get, you know, trying to work out numbers and try to do all that. And mm-hmm. So I, the good part is I didn't have to negotiate anything. I think he did all the negotiating for me and I, I told him exactly what I wanted, um, uh, including having the rest of my school paid for. Um, and so I, I didn't have to do any negotiating and I got exactly what I wanted. So my agent did exactly what he was supposed to do. So Awesome. Yeah, that's that's great. And before we talk about like the minors and stuff, was there any team maybe like in your conference at college that like uh, you just love to hit against? Maybe their fans were just a little extra cocky. Maybe oh. like they would chirp at you a little bit more when you're over there. What team was it like in in college where you're like, I just can't wait to just crush homers against them? I one of my favorite one of my favorite teams to play was St. Mary's, another California team, of yep. course. Um, but St. Mary's because they were so chippy. And I always hit well. There's one guy I always hit well against was Ken Waldachuk, and he was just nasty in college. Did he get traded to but, the A's from the Yankees, or is that a, maybe I'm thinking something? I think else. he. I think he did. I want to say. I want to say he did. I yeah. want to say he got traded. Okay. Yeah. But he was, you know, a great lefty arm. I had a home run against him in the opening round my freshman year, and then I had a a game, a go ahead home run, and you know, on a Saturday at our place, it got really loud. But that they, you know, they're they're atmosphere and what they did is they you know they're screaming at guys from the dugout and our gonzaga i mean we're we're just big burly country country boys like gonzaga that just we, we don't say much we do our job and we, we just give it our best and you know all the st mary's guys are you know yelling at us and chirping us and we're realizing that that's the california way to play baseball in in college and we're, we just weren't used to that yeah st mary's and they, they were just very very trippy you know they strike you out they're, they're yelling at you at the mound as they're walking back into the, dug, into the dugout that kind of stuff and so it was always good to just kind of play them and yeah, of course beat them yeah what, what were some of the things they'd say you know us california kids well, I don't know if they're uh, appropriate for a uh, public <laughs> podcast. We'll put it that way. There you and go. of course, our, our yeah, exactly. So that, I would say that they were uh, along the lines of that. I, I don't, I don't want to put the E on <laughs> on this podcast for explicit. So <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll 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 leave it at that. So let's talk about the minors real quick. Obviously, this like I said, this is podcast is what more than baseball. Um, they're doing a really good job with you know, fighting for minor leaguers' rights and all that kind of stuff. Um, I I got to give you credit. You played at Beloit. And I had um, Brian Hoeing on, who just made his major league debut not too long ago with the Marlins. Shout out yep. to him for doing his thing. Yep. Um, and I told him, I said, dude, you got to put on your bio, like, Beloit Survivor. Because that has to be one of the <laughs> worst stadiums, like, that I visited as a fan and that people have told me who have played there and against them. Yes, it is 100% one of the single worst stadiums that I've ever played in my entire life. I got there coming from, you know, the Jupiter hammerheads of the, yeah. you know, playing on a major league spring training field to go in there and thinking at first base, I had to wear a mouth guard <laughs> and potentially a face mask because of how un- unruly the hops were. Yeah. But I mean, it was good hitting out to center field during the day. You know, you just pop one up and it'll go out. But yes, I think of Beloit survivor, but have you seen that new, that new stadium? Beautiful. Yeah. I've been there. Uh, yeah. so it's, it is per- it is perfect. It, 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 I loved it, and especially as a lefty, 
pulling everything down the line. I, I was hitting home runs like it was nobody's business just because of, you know, it flew so well to right field and center. Yeah. And, and so it was just, it was a drastic change coming from it. I mean, walking, walking in and breaking in that new field was just so cool. Yeah. I went to, uh, I think I have a inaugural, I have an inaugural, you know, 2022 season for the Beloit uh, Sky Carp now. So when I went, I got oh, me, I got do? me a shirt. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. I should have worn it actually now that I'm talking good, about it, but yeah. <laughs> they got good colors too. The Miami, of course the Miami colors trying to get all their affiliates to do that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, good colors. Yeah. So um, other than Beloit, like what was one city that you'd gone to as, you know, as a minor leaguer you get off the bus and you look around and you're like, yo, where am I? I'm in the middle of nowhere. Uh, that was Cedar Rapids. Okay. 100%. I didn't even have to think about it. That was Cedar Rapids. And if we're talking about potentially even like before that, and we're talking short season when I was in Batavia, more of when I went to Batavia, New York was also one of them. But the hotel that they put us up in Cedar Rapids was just, it was literally in the middle of a cornfield and there was a, a gas station subway across the street and that was it. And then there was the freeway. Wow. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, this is minor league baseball. Great. Awesome. Yeah, really I've heard about that and one the hotel, too. The hotel, yeah, the hotel was like thirty minutes away from the field. I was like, "Wow, okay." That's <laughs> but crazy. definitely, I would say, I would say Batavia, New York. Walking in and seeing where we had to live at the Quality Inn um, with an indoor water park next to it, um, I was a little, I was a little shocked by that coming from you know my cushy Gonzaga lifestyle. I was going to say, because I've talked to guys who were like SEC schools, ACC, like some really nice D1 schools where they travel, their travels as good as like mine, like triple A teams or even like pro yeah. teams at some points. But then they go to the minors and yep. they're, they're grinding just like everyone else is. And it's, that's just the way it is. Yep. That's just the way it is. And hopefully, you know, with the, with the unionization here coming soon, um, hopefully that kind of changes and we kind of see a little bit. Oh, did I lose you? Okay. We're good. Um, but hopefully that kind of changes and, you know, we get, we get better, especially for those lower levels. That's really is where it hurts is those lower levels. Just looking at your numbers, like in the minors and stuff, like, you know, you're batting, like I think over the last three seasons, 290. Um, everywhere I read, you're, they say you're one of the best pure hitters. Like what makes you such a good hitter that you think um, that you just maybe see the ball so well? I, th- I think it's my approach of always trying to get better. Yeah. I, I have my key things that I want to do, um, being early, being on time, and working towards the center of the diamond. But I, I, I'm always working on things. I'm always – I'm never going back to – I'm never one of those guys that I'm like, oh, this worked for me in the past. I'm going to do that. I was never one of those guys because the past is the past. That might have been a different level, might have diff- been a different scene, might have been different coaches, different pitching. Now we have to move forward and how am I going to get better? Yeah. How am I going to adjust myself to my struggles now versus, oh, what was I struggling with back then? Now I can do that and it'll still work. No, it's like I'm, I'm working on something every single day and it might be different for each week. Usually that's what it is. It's each week to every other day I'm working on something different, trying to focus on something to help me get better. And yeah. so, so I think that's the adjustability for me of, of quickly realizing what is wrong mm-hmm. with my swing, with my approach, with my uh, what's going on at the plate is, is really what sets me apart from other hitters and why, you know, maybe I get those nice compliments. Yeah, no, for sure. And like I said, like you're one of the better hitters, like your batting average is close to 300 over the last couple of seasons. Um, one thing that stands out to me that we may have to work on here uh, this season, you only have three stolen bases. So like, I mean, 
What's what's going on here? Are we gonna <laughs> we gonna try to cut, steal a couple I, more? I, try to get the five at least. I, <laughs> I I get the red light quite often, and so I do not have those opportunities <laughs> to steal bases. Mostly because of where I hit in the order. I'm usually yeah. hitting in the middle of the order, so I have guys behind me that could potentially hit a home run at any point. Um, and so for me, stealing bases is really not that important. I'll sneak a couple in. Usually those, those stolen bases are actually me stealing third. Okay. Um, when, you know, I was clock watching or, you know, guys were really slow to the plate. I just get a good job. Most of the time, I, I have no I, – I, I might sneak a couple here. We only – you know, we got – 25 games left or something like that. So, you know, maybe getting two isn't crazy. Get, yeah. get up to five stolen bases isn't crazy. Yeah, so like I said, we'll try to get to five stolen bases. That's the goal. I mean, we'll set a goal here. And when you do, I'll, I'll have to retweet it. Be like, this is for me. Okay. Um, you know, I'll take the, I'll take the credit <laughs> right. for that, obviously. Take um, the credit, good. <laughs> for just, you know, the coaching up that i just given you. Um, but uh, what is maybe one uh, interesting or funny like minor league story that you have where you you try to tell people and they're like that's you're a professional baseball player how are you going through that and you're like that's that's just the minors maybe like an interesting fan interaction or like a, a bus ride um, or maybe just like a hotel that just was terrible. I'm trying to think, uh, you know, other than other than the fact that um, you know all these I, I did ha- I have inter- interactions all the time where people are like. Oh, you know, why can't you give me a bat? Why can't you give me a ball? You guys are millionaires. Like, why, why aren't you doing this? And I'm, I have to tell them, I'm like, eh, not really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could, I could use an extra 25 bucks if I'll trade, I'll trade you a bat for that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, other than that, I mean, the, the only other story is really staying at that quality in my very first year. I, you know, I'm coming from staying at nice hotels everywhere in college baseball, and getting put up in nice, nice places mm-hmm. and having these, you know, pristine, uh, you know, equipment and pristine uh, training facilities to go into a short season team where it is very lackluster as, mm-hmm. it, you know, and I even put the Beloit snappers old field um, in comparison to that Batavia, New York field. It, it was very, very similar. Mm-hmm. And so um, th- that kind of transition where you're like, Oh, you know, people think, you know, you made it to the big leagues right after you got drafted. It's like, no, you, you know, you almost go backwards a step and then you go a huge step forward and then you go backwards and then you go forward again. So you know, that kind of grind is more what the, it's like, oh, that's more what minor leagues is. Yeah, no, for sure. And like you said, minor league is that grind, um, especially if you start like at a rookie ball and you have to go from rookie to low A to high A to, you know, all the way through up to the leagues, you know, and eventually you get there and you're in triple A now. So you're just, you're just, a, you know, yeah. right next, the next step is the majors. And I'll say this, uh, four or five of my guests have made it their major league debut this season. So I'm not going to say it's my, like, I'm not going to take right. the credit, but I'm also not going to say it wasn't <laughs> because of me and them coming on the pod. Uh, so if you make it to the majors this season, like, you might need to shout out Francisco. Be like, you know, this is this is because of him, like the stolen bases. You know, just give me a little shout out and be like, all right, that's that's it is what it is. That is a guarantee. No doubt about it. I, you you will you could expect that. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, and like this is like this is a Troy Johnson pod. So like, you know, you make your major league debut, you get the call. Um, let me know. It'd be like, I'm not going to break it. I'm not passing, you know, but uh Send me that DM like, hey, it's it's on. And I'd be like, all right, maybe it's against the, the Brewers it's or something. <laughs> you Ooh, know, there you go. Send me, your, send me your wrestling like gif, a gif. Send me a wrestling gif, and I'll oh. know immediately. <laughs> I'll know. I'll be like, it's on. Hopefully it's against here in Milwaukee. That'd be sweet. Or the Cubs, somewhere I can drive and see you and all, and all that stuff. But uh, 
Yeah, man. Uh, last thing I want to talk about before we get off here, like, what is your like get hyped music that you listen to, or maybe uh, what you do to get you know prepared to face uh, batters or sorry batters, you know, pitchers here in the minors. Well, I mean, uh, pump up music, very old school. I'm like early two thousands rock. Is, is you know that's what does it for me. I'm not a rap guy. I'm not you know um, country to get you know pumped up and all that. I like I like rock, borderline screamo, <laughs> big on that. There you um, go. But um, other than that, just, you know, preparation, trusting what I have and, you know, a half a scoop, of, half a scoop of pre-workout before every game to get me just a little bit jittery with water or, uh, you just dry scoop in it. Yeah, no, I definitely do water. I'm not, I'm not hard enough to do, to do a dry scoop. That, that's not me. <laughs> hey, you know what? Let me ask you this. There was a guy, um, oh, what was his name? He's, he was, he was in, in Beloit this season. He just got promoted. Now my mind's going blank. It's going to bug me because yeah, he's my guy. Uh, but he said there in the Marlins bullpen, there's a guy who would like um, drown himself before he went out to pitch uh, in in Beloit last mm. season and this season. He might that gentleman. I don't know who he who he was. I can't remember that name. But he said the whole bullpen started doing it, where they would like get water in a cup and just like breathe it in and then like hype themselves up. Do you do you know about that? Oh yeah, I know about that. That it's it's supposed to like bring you close to drowning so that it alerts your system and wakes yes, you Yes, yes. So it does the same. Yes, yeah, so it does the same thing. I have yet to try it, um, but there's there's a lot of, you know, in minor league baseball, you meet a lot of different people yeah. who've got a lot of different uh, backgrounds and thoughts, and so they'll, they'll, you, you'll see a lot of different things, but that I have noticed has been one of the, I'm trying to think who the picture was. I've seen Josh Simpson do it. It might, yeah, um, that might have been, it might have been him. It. That name sounds familiar. Um, might have been Simpson. Yeah, yeah. Um, it would have been. Oh man, I gotta see. I'm, it's gonna bug me. I'll tell you exactly who who was telling me about it. He just got promoted to Double A um, just recently. Oh, was it uh, Sean Reynolds? No, it was Tyler Mitzel who told me. So Tyler Mitzel, um, he Mitzel, just. Got, yep. Yeah. Do you know Mitzel? Mitzel. Yeah. Yeah, Mitzel's the man. Yeah. yeah. I kick it. I kick his butt in cards all the time. There so. you go. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to let him know that. I'm going to send him a message after this and be yeah, like, yo, uh, step up the game a little bit. You know what's going on? Step, yeah, step up the spades game. Yeah, he, he needs it. He needs all the help he can get. Yeah. But yeah, so anyway, so in someone in their bullpen, he was telling me about that, how they would drown themselves. And I just thought that, that was the most interesting. Game. Okay, so you haven't tried that. Um, I told him that I will try it sometime. You know what? If I ever go... Uh, see him Sometimes. at some point. Yeah, maybe, maybe during you know spring training, <laughs> if I make it out there, I'll, I'll try and see how it works. <laughs> there you go. Maybe before a podcast, you get you get yourself hyped oh, up. Oh man, I might do. Uh, I might have to do that or sm- smelling sauce before a podcast and just to <laughs> just to hype myself up. But hey, I want to thank you for coming on the pod, man. I appreciate talking to you. Um, hopefully, I didn't take too much more too much of your time, but I uh, definitely appreciate you coming on. I'm gonna have to have you back on. Hopefully, you get that major league debut soon. Uh, we'll speak it into existence and uh like i said this is a choy uh podcast now so we got your back you know and anyone's out there chirping you like i'm uh, this is your official burner account like, we'll say it like that like i'm gonna be out there fighting the fight for you <laughs> deal i like it i appreciate it no i thank you so much for having me i had a great time all right brother you have a great rest of your night all right thank you so much you appreciate you of course thank you for listening to believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.